Live Like You Were Dying is a song by country music singer Tim, Tim McGraw that came out back in 2004. Eventually went to number one and won the Grammy Award that year for the best country song. It tells the story of a man in his early 40s who gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. And when the man is later asked about what he did in response to hearing the bad news about his physical health, he answers, first of all, by listing three things that were obviously on his bucket list. He says, I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing, and I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. But then he says these things, which are far more important. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness that I'd been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. I finally read the good book. And I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And he ends it all with the classic line, Someday, I hope, you get the chance to live like you were dying. Live like you were dying. You know, that's exactly what I believe the Lord is telling us today in this gospel parable from Matthew 25. Make sure you live like you were dying. In other words, make sure you're living your life with an awareness that someday it's going to end. And then you'll be called upon to, as the Bible says, render an account for what you did and for what you didn't do during your time on planet Earth. Notice that all ten virgins in this story were invited to the wedding feast, just like all the people in the world are invited to the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb of God in heaven. But only five had oil in their lamps. Only five were ready to meet the bridegroom when he arrived. By the way, the oil there can be seen as a symbol of sanctifying grace. That's the grace Jesus won for us by his passion, death, and resurrection. That's the grace that makes us pleasing to God. That's the grace that we need to have in our souls when we leave this life if we want to pass through the pearly gates of heaven. And the analogy there holds, given the fact that in the story, the oil was not transferable. Did you notice that? That's a very important detail. The wise virgins were not able to share their oil with the foolish ones. Each of them was personally responsible for the condition of her own land. And that's the way it is with our souls. As Professor William Barclay put it in his commentary on Matthew regarding this particular parable, he said, There are certain things we must win or acquire for ourselves, for we cannot borrow them from others. This is why the sacrament of confession is so important. We receive sanctifying grace into our soul, first of all, through baptism, but we can lose it through mortal sin. When that happens, the ordinary way to get it back is through the sacrament of reconciliation. So when was the last time you went?
Now, what I really like about Tim McGraw's song is that it indicates that the main character, this man in his 40s with a terminal illness, it indicates that he has lived a better, a more fulfilled life after his diagnosis. That's why he says, someday I hope you too get the chance to live like you were dying. He's not wishing evil on us there. What he's doing is expressing his hope for us. He's expressing the hope that we will experience the same kind of transformation in our lives that he's experienced in his. From all he says in that song, it's clear he's been transformed. He's been transformed, first of all, in his relationships with other people. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave the forgiveness I had been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. It's also clear that he's been transformed in his relationship with God. He said, I finally read the good book. He's even been transformed with respect to his sins and failings. He says, I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. The implication there being that he would do some things differently if he could do them again. His terminal disease has made him aware of his own mortality. And that's a good thing. It's hopefully I've already made clear in this homily. It's a good thing, my brothers and sisters, because it's reality. The letter to the Hebrews tells us we do not have on this earth a lasting city. That's a fact. Life is short. And if you don't believe me, just ask an elderly person. Father Ray, I just celebrated my 95th birthday last week. Gee, where did the years go? I've heard elderly people say that kind of thing lots of times over the years. But we can easily fall into the trap of thinking that we do have a lasting city here. And that way of thinking can lead us to ignore God and delay our repentance and have the wrong set of priorities in this life, like the man in the song did before his diagnosis. The great saints, praise God, never fell into the trap. They avoided it. And they avoided it because of how they looked at things. In this regard, there's a wonderful painting of St. Francis of Assisi by Caravaggio, the Italian artist of the late 16th century. Perhaps some of you have seen it, seen it, seen this portrait. The title of the painting is St. Francis in Prayer. And it shows the saint kneeling prayerfully with his attention riveted on the object that he's holding in his hands. And what is the object that he's holding? A cross? Nope. A Bible? Nope. It's a skull. It's a human skull. St. Francis is holding this skull gently, you might even say lovingly, in his hands as he prays and meditates. Which isn't surprising since apparently he had a skull in his possession 
and I read this week that he would sometimes bring it with him to the breakfast table so that his fellow friars could meditate on it too. And St. Francis was not unusual among the great saints of the church. Many of them, believe it or not, kept skulls in their bedrooms or on their desks, which is why you'll often see them in the portraits of canonized saints. So why did they do this? Were these people obsessed with death? No, quite oppositely, they were all obsessed with life. Eternal life, the eternal life that Jesus had died on the cross to give them. They didn't want to miss out on that life for anything. They didn't want to be like those five foolish virgins in this parable. So they kept this symbol of death around them, a human skull. They kept it around them to remind them that they needed to be ready for that moment of death always. Since, as Jesus says here, none of us knows the day or the hour when the Lord will come for us. And amazingly, in the process of doing this, these holy men and women lived fulfilled and joyful, albeit sometimes difficult, lives. They lived like they were dying even when they were in good physical health. And because of that, they now live forever in a place where there is no death. A place where we will also be someday, if we follow their example.